What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our baseball content is posted out from. Specifically, go follow at EthosFantasyBB. We are currently bringing on more writers who will be producing content throughout the offseason, and that's where it will be posted from. So at EthosFantasyBB, that's the main account for you guys to go ahead and follow today. Now, this is our final in-season show of my rookie year doing this podcast. Now, tomorrow is the last day of the regular season, but tomorrow we have a special guest on who will help us look back on this season as a whole, and that's going to be Patrick Davitt from Baseball HQ and Baseball HQ Radio. We're going to look back specifically on hitters for the season, and that'll be starting tomorrow. I know there's games tomorrow, but we're going to touch on them today so that tomorrow we can move into more of a off-season look-back kind of mode. Today we're going to do some of the other usual stuff that we tend to do here. We'll look back on some of yesterday's top performers. There's a couple in particular I really am itching to get to. We'll go through the waiver wire. We'll see who's being added ahead of today's starts. And we'll look also at tomorrow's starting pitchers and see who we can expect to still go out there. And I think for the most part, guys that are still listed as of right now to start tomorrow should likely get the start tomorrow. Last night with the Phillies winning, they clinched that last playoff spot that was up for grabs in the National League. And now everything is kind of set in stone. No one's really playing for anything. I think there might be some positional jockeying uh, in the standings. Like, I think Philly might be able to go up on San Diego, uh, but possibly in Seattle, I think might be able to, or excuse me, Tampa might be able to catch Seattle in this last couple of days of the season. But in terms of who is actually making the playoffs, we already know the teams that are going to be in the postseason. Just to quickly rhyme them off, if you guys are not already aware, in the American League, it's the Astros, the Yankees, and the Guardians. Those are the division winners. And then we have the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays on the wild card. On the other side in the National League, the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Cardinals. They are the current division winners. I don't think the Mets can catch the Braves still. Maybe, possibly, but I don't think so. Uh, and then currently right now, it's the Mets, the Padres, and the Phillies in those three wild card spots. So... Actually, you know what? I just realized this. It's this week we have playoff baseball. In my head, I, for some reason, thought it was like, you know, beginning of next week. But it's actually this Friday. We have playoff games in Toronto, St. Louis, and Cleveland. And then there's still one other one to be determined. I think there still could be some moving around with the Mets and the Braves. So they haven't fully confirmed that one. But holy shit, guys. Playoff baseball this week. I know this is a fantasy podcast. And fantasy doesn't go into the regular season. But playoff baseball, obviously, if you're a fantasy baseball person, you're a baseball fan, the playoffs are very exciting. I hope to bring on the ethos wagering guys over the next week or so to try and get a get a handle on what we should be looking at in terms of playoff betting. There's a couple of teams that I think are more likely to succeed than not. But every year, uh, it's, it's very rarely we ever see the team that does the best in the regular season actually you know, carry that into the playoffs. So will the Dodgers win the World Series? Maybe, possibly, probably even. I don't know. Hard to say. We'll bring the betting guys on and talk about that hopefully next week. But I don't want to jabber on too long without some fantasy talk. So let's go into yesterday's performances that were above the rest. And Aaron Nola, certainly for me, is the number one guy from yesterday. He sent the Phillies to the playoffs. Six and two-thirds, two hits, nine strikeouts. He got the victory. It's kind of a shame for Aaron Nola that he has an 11-13 and 13 record this season. It's It's... It's hard to fathom, really, on a team that has been pretty good. I mean, they're going to the playoffs. They've won 87 games. They haven't been, you know, destroying the the opponents, destroying the competition all year, anything like that. But they've been very good. And to have an 11-13 and 13 record with a 325 ERA and a .96 whip, 
it's kind of hard to hard to really understand what happened there with Aaron Nola. Even last year, I mean, last year he wasn't as good, but nine and nine uh, wins and losses as a pitcher, really just. I could go on and on about wins, specifically as a fantasy category. We won't do that today. Maybe at some point in the offseason, we'll bring John Legaza back on, and we can talk with him about how much he hates the win, because it's ridiculous, and you see it right here, clear as day. 11-13 and 13 record for the season, a 325 ERA, a .96 whip, and 235 strikeouts for Aaron Nola. He was about as good as you could have possibly hoped for, especially coming off of a very disappointing 2021, where he had a 463 ERA, a 1.13 whip. Strikeouts are never an issue, but those ratios certainly were. Now, I was looking back on Aaron Nola's ADP this morning, and honestly, it surprised me because I'd forgotten how high he was being drafted this year. He was off the board as the 45th pick on Yahoo in the NFBC. It was 32nd in main events, and if you're talking all drafts on the NFBC, uh, he was going 42nd. So in that kind of 30, 40-ish range, for, more, for whatever reason, when I was thinking back at the beginning of the year, I thought that he was more discounted than that. I mean, especially coming off the year he had last year. And it, you know what? It makes me wonder, really, for next season, how much farther can we really push Aaron Nola up the board? Are we going to push him into the 20s? I doubt it. I think he probably still stays around that same range. Now, maybe people were expecting a bounce back, and that's where he was drafted. But it still really surprised me to see that he went that high, that he was like a third-round pick for some people in a main event. Like, he might have been you know, a very early third, possibly even a second like, what's the minimum pick for Aaron Nola? It was 18. There was a, someone who picked him at 18 in an FBC draft. It just seems like, I don't know, he should have probably been more discounted, and now he's probably going to be about the same price this season. You know, he'll be in that same kind of range, 35 to 40 roughly. It, it's a weird situation. He should have probably been going in the 60s last season after what happened. But now we're going to probably get him at that same price. Now, will I still take him at that same price? I think I would. I think it's fairly safe with Aaron Nola. He's been been a very solid contributor fantasy-wise throughout his entire career. Those strikeouts are very hard to come by. And he is ranked 45th for the season right now. So maybe that is right on where he should be going. It just feels a little... I don't know. It's, It's probably right. It just feels like it should be higher than last season based on how he performed this year. And it's going to be about the same, which is... A little weird. Maybe he does get pushed up higher, but if he gets pushed up higher than 32, consider me out on Aaron Nola. I wouldn't want to have him as my SP1. Not that I think it would be terrible, but I would rather have an SP1 who is in that top number one tier. I think Aaron Nola is probably in the second tier. He's not in that first, you know, uh, for just talking this season anyway, that top tier of McClanahan and Verlander and Cease and even DeGrom, you know, Carlos Rodon, Sandy Alcantara. That's probably tier one this season. I think Aaron Nola is one spot below or one tier below. If we start to put him into that first tier in terms of where he's being drafted, that's going to make me a lot less interested in him. I still think he'll be fine, but I don't know that I would want to have him in the 20s in that kind of range. The next guy we'll talk about was another big reason why the Phillies are going to the playoffs. It was Kyle Schwarber. Now, they won 3-0. It was double dongs for Kyle. Two home runs. Obviously, he scored twice, drove in two RBIs, and he also walked twice. For the season, the batting average has sucked. No question about it. A 219 batting average, it's terrible. But he's got 46 home runs, 100 runs scored, 94 RBIs. And I think one of the big pieces with Kyle Schwarber here is that he has 10 stolen bases. And man, like I was not expecting 10 stolen bases from Kyle Schwarber. Just want to look at his career high here. His career high was four, and that came in 2018. Completely out of the blue that he's stealing bases now. 
it, it offsets for sure the low batting average, and it makes it so that you don't really notice it if you look at a ranking of Kyle Schwarber. Right now, he is currently ranked, uh, excuse me, I had it up right there, and he's at 34 for the season. So you're, you're not going to be worried there. But batting average, I, I worry that that's just going to be something that starts to get a little bit worse and worse. He's never been a great batting average kind of guy. Earlier in his career, he was like uh, a 240, 230 kind of guy. Then with the Nationals, well, here, let me just rhyme off the last couple of seasons for you here. So going back to 2018, it was 238 and then 250 and then 188 in the lockout shortened season. And then last year, 266. So you batted 291 with Boston. That was the highest batting average he'd ever had in any stretch of his career with any team. Maybe we were expecting something that was a little bit too high and we shouldn't be too disappointed with 219. It still kind of sucks, but you will definitely live, <clears throat> excuse me, you will still definitely take the production he's giving you around uh, in the other categories. And if you're looking specifically at head-to-head here on Yahoo, according to their algorithm, he's the number one ranked player for the last two weeks, and he is the number one ranked player over the last week. So <clears throat> regardless of when your championship was, Kyle Schwarber has been fantastic down the stretch here. If you want to extend that back over the last month, he is number 12. He's just been fantastic. Now, I find him to be a guy who's kind of hard to place for next season as of right now. He was being drafted post-pick 100 last year. It was 107 was his ADP. I don't, well, I mean, he's obviously not going to fall that far next season. Where will he go exactly? I'm thinking like in the 50s, probably somewhere in the 50s. He's going to be 30 years old next season, like right before next season starts, which is still a fine age. He can still produce the power. The steals have just been so crazy. Uh, those 10 steals, those might not stick. It's very hard to predict going year to year. Career high in home runs, hard to know exactly You know if he will keep that exact number up again. 46 is kind of hard to reach. His previous career high was 38. So can he still give you in that 40 range? Yeah. But repeating a career high uh, year after year is something that we, we know in this industry does not really happen so much. So we'll probably see some regression with the home runs. We'll probably see some regression with the with the stolen bases. That one's almost guaranteed. And the average, maybe the average ticks back up a few points. So I think, honestly, I would probably have him ranked right now in the 70s somewhere for next season, 60s or 70s. I think that makes the most sense. He'll probably be drafted a little bit higher than that. But in terms of where I think he'll probably end up, that would be my guess. Uh, The runs and the RBIs, those are complete crapshoot predicting them year to year what's going to happen. He's in a good lineup, so you have to assume that they're going to be pretty okay. But pretty okay might not mean 100 runs and 94 RBIs again. It might mean 85 runs and 70 RBIs or reverse that, you know, something. It might be a little bit less. It probably will be a little bit less. This is the career year for Schwarber. Repeating career years, even if it's just in one category or maybe two categories, whatever it is, it's very hard to do. I'm not so sold on him heading into next year. And specifically, if his price is where he's ranked this season, if he's in the 30s for next year, there's no there's no chance. I don't think he will be that high. Maybe we see him there in Yahoo and ESPN. I don't think the NFBC players are, are really going to be biting on that. I think they probably will bake in that, that natural regression into their price and where they're willing to pay for him. So I think it'll probably, long story short, be somewhere around 50, 60. I'd prefer to have him closer to 70, but I think he'll I think he'll still be fine. He's just there are some risks there with Kyle Schwarber, and I don't know that they're going to be talked about so much, but he's not such a, a set-in-stone safe draft pick. But let's talk about one more guy from yesterday before we move on to today. I know not so many players I'm going to focus on from yesterday. I do want to spend the majority of the show focusing on pickups for today and for tomorrow. The last guy here we will mention is Luis Severino, and he went seven innings, no hit ball. He walked one batter, seven strikeouts. He did get the victory. 
you got to feel for the guy, right? You got you saw him. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this clip that was going around Twitter. Maybe you're watching the game of him walking off the field and Aaron Boone telling him like, "Yeah, you're done. I'm sorry, you're done." He shook his head. He was upset about it, understandably so. I mean, he'd thrown 94 pitches through seven innings. I think a lot of guys would tell you that they would happily throw 130 pitches and deal with a sore arm for a couple days or maybe just one extra day or whatever it is. You know, they'll take the punishment if it means having a chance at a no-hitter. But the Yankees are not going to take that chance going into the postseason. Pitching is not, you know, I know it's hard to really say with the Yankees pitching. I mean, it's been good enough. But I don't know how secure they really are sending out Cole right now. Cole's been not so great. Tyone's been pretty good. Nestor Cortez has been really good. It's been, they've been a pretty good staff overall. I think if they had Jordan Montgomery, they'd be a lot happier still. Um, But I don't know that they're going to rely so much on these guys that are, you know, down in the rotation kind of guys. I don't know if Domingo Herman is going to get playoff starts for them. Maybe he does. But I think they just want to have Severino as fresh as possible going into that divisional series, which I'm not even sure the way the bracket is lined up, who they would be facing, I guess, because they're the top seed. They would face the bottom, uh, the lowest remaining seed. I'm not sure, actually, how the the playoff situation this year is all screwed up in my head. I've kind of just resigned myself to the fact of when it gets there and there's, you know, they've announced everything, then I'll know what's going on and then I'll be familiar with it. But until we actually see how everything lines up and how it all works with the games, I'm still a little bit lost. I got to be honest with you, like, there's this thing about not not this thing. It's that the entire wild card series will be held in one park. That for me is kind of weird. Like they're going three straight games in one stadium. As a Blue Jay fan, I'll take it because we have that home field. But it's kind of not really fair, I guess. Uh, I don't know. And there's a lot of weird shit going on with baseball, even heading into next year, which we'll have to talk about at some point in terms of the pitch clock and the bigger bases and everything else. And the, uh, I mean, Robo Ops will be there eventually. There's a, there's a lot of changes in baseball. And it kind of makes it hard for the average fan to really keep up with what's going on. It's just a side point here. I mean, if you're just somebody, I mean, I'm someone who focuses on baseball quite a bit. Not that I'm like a postseason expert or anything. I'm more of a fantasy regular season kind of guy. But if someone who you know covers the sport is kind of foggy on what's going on in terms of playoffs and rules, maybe I'm just not informed enough. Maybe some of you guys are listening and agreeing. Some of you guys might be saying, then go do some Google searches, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's, you know, there's sometimes you Google something and it doesn't really give you a great answer, especially with something like this. You get led to an article that has 50,000 points in it, and you got to try and figure out when they're talking about your particular thing. It, it's kind of a confusing scenario, and it's kind of confusing uh, just a general time period for baseball between, I guess, you could start with the pandemic and lead it towards whenever we get robo-umps in. It's, it's a strange transitional period for baseball, and I've gone off on a tangent now like I am known to do. So I will, re- I will recenter this conversation back towards fantasy baseball and towards your pickups that you should be looking to make over the next day or two. Now, I mean, 24 hours from now, there'll be no pickups left to make because those games will all have started. Now, tonight we have games. There's a couple that have gone on this afternoon, Yankees and Rangers, Nationals and Mets. Pretty much every other game, though, is taking place tonight. Most of them starting at six, between six and seven, that kind of range, and then a couple of West Coast games later in the night. Now, tomorrow... We have every single game starting between 4.05, or excuse me, between 4 o'clock and 4.20 p.m. Every single team is playing, assuming that there's no weather stuff. I know there's been some talk about Toronto and Baltimore. Those games don't matter, so just cancel them. I don't know that we're going to see that. I guess it's possible. But every single game will be starting at the same time tomorrow is the, is the main point there. You won't have time to say, okay, I'm going to sit whoever and see if I need these stats later in the day. You have to make those decisions all at the same time. And right now, I think that these guys are all going to be starting. 
but it's not 100% guaranteed. And I would just urge you guys this time of year, specifically all year, but specifically right now, to just constantly be checking the app, checking the website, turn on your notifications. If you don't have notifications turned on, specifically if you're playing in Yahoo, they need to be on. They absolutely need to be on. They will tell you when someone's removed from the lineup, if there's an injury or whatever the hell it is, you need to have those on. That's, that's the number one main important thing. If you set a pitcher into your lineup, you get distracted, you go to a friend's house, you start tossing back a couple beers, maybe thinking about the last day of the regular season. And then, you know, your pitcher gets scratched and you don't realize and you're screwed. You check your phone. Let's see how the guy's doing. Oh, he didn't start. I'm screwed. I lost my season because of one day. It's an extreme scenario, but that kind of thing does happen. And you can avoid it just by being active, just checking the app. Notifications are a great way if you are someone who's already active enough without it then just check the app. Don't worry about notifications. But I think for the most part, they're very beneficial throughout the regular season. They'll give you alerts for home runs, for injuries, for transactions. I think that they're they're really great, honestly. But let's talk about these guys who you have the option to be adding now. So the first guy who is being added up here, and I think he's an all right option, is Michael Lorenzen. Now, there's a couple of parts here. One of them is he's been very good recently. Over the last month, 20 and two-thirds innings, he has a 3.05 ERA. He struck out 23 batters, and he's won two of those decisions. All good stuff. Now, the second piece of good news, and probably the better news, is that the start is against the Athletics in Oakland. Very spacious ballpark, very shitty lineup. We like these things. Now, Lorenzen does not come without his risks. He's been... He's been good enough this year, but not great. I mean, he has a 4.52 ERA. Typically, he's not striking out that many batters. He's less than a strikeout per inning guy on average. Uh, he's he's an all right option, and I think if you're looking at who you got available to you today and tomorrow, he's one of the better choices that you have because mostly the Oakland matchup. He's not someone that you'd be running to grab if he was facing, you know, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, or any other good team, or even let's just say a, a you know a decent like Milwaukee or something like that. Like, would you be running to grab him? Maybe not. But the fact that it's Oakland, I'm pretty confident here. Specifically, being at the Coliseum, it gives you uh, you know maybe you're going to give up the odd extra triple or something like that. But it's it's a lot harder to give up home runs over there. Lorenzen for me, I think he's probably one of your better options today. The next guy being added up, I also like, but I also think he's I'm a little nervous about him. It's Eric Lauer. Now, he's been a pretty good option for most of the season. He has a 3.83 ERA. He's striking out about a batter per inning. Uh, his whip is 1.24. There's nothing terrible there. He gets Arizona, and Arizona, I mean, they've, they've heated up at certain points this season, but overall, they're not really a team that you have to worry about so much. There are pieces on that team that I love, absolutely love offensively, and I think they should be better than they are. But as it stands, they're 11th in runs per game, 26th in hits, 25th in batting average, 22nd in on-base, 21st in OPS, 14th in home runs. They're not the scariest offense. And, you know, maybe they will be next year, year after kind of thing. But as of right now, they're not the scariest team. What scares me here is Eric Lauer. Now, he's coming off of a very good start against Miami. Five innings, shutout ball, nine strikeouts, great job. The few previous starts before that were pretty, pretty bad, like like really bad stuff. There was specifically a horrible one at Coors Field and then at Cincinnati, which you can't hold against them so much. The thing with me with Lauer is when I start to look at those independent pitching metrics or <clears throat> fielding independent pitching metrics, they're a lot worse than his ERA suggests it should be. So the ERA, like I said, 3.83. Expected ERA, 4.13. Fielding independent pitching, 4.56, and the expected fielding independent pitching, 4.07. Just as a side note, it's not really a fantasy thing, 
But, you know, I, I sold you what he's done this year. He's pitched 150 innings of a 3.83 ERA, striking out a batter per inning, 10 wins, not bad stuff. His war is less than one. He's accumulated less than one win above replacement this season. Not good. I mean, I know that's not really fantasy relevant, but it kind of just shows you as a whole, he's not been so, so great. Now, against Arizona here, last couple days of the season, I'm pretty okay with the stream. <clears throat> They're, like we said, not the greatest team. He just handled a similarly, even worse offense in Miami. And I think if you need strikeouts, that he's probably one of your better options available here. There's not too many guys that we're going to go over today or even for tomorrow that are going to be like massive strikeout guys who might, maybe they don't give you the greatest outing, but they can still give you like seven, eight strikeouts. And that was my argument yesterday for Hunter Green. He ended up turning out very well. Is that even if he didn't have the greatest outing, you get that little bit of a buffer in terms of strikeouts. And that's kind of what I'm thinking with Eric Lauer. Even if it's not the greatest outing, you're going to get probably five to seven strikeouts against this Arizona team. So I don't mind using an ad. There's definitely some risk, but for one start here, all bets are off. Honestly, you kind of have to just throw the stats away as much as it, it hurts to say that. I'm not a big stat guy, but for one start here, you kind of just, you know, it's like a one game playoff. Essentially. You have no idea what's going to happen. Project this project that it's one game. So I like Eric Lauer. I think he's a pretty safe option overall. Like I said, with that strikeout buffer, I think I'd be pretty okay to stream him in tonight against Arizona. The next guy we're going to talk about, I really don't have a hell of a lot of faith in. He's not a great pitcher, although I do think some people view him as being a pretty good pitcher. I think he's very mediocre personally. We're talking about Chris Flexen for the Seattle Mariners. Now, he'll get the first start tonight. There's a doubleheader against Detroit. He'll start game one. He's been coming out of the bullpen recently, which is kind of probably where he should be. They have, four, I mean, four great starters and then Marco Gonzalez. It's probably where he belongs to be, you know, throwing an inning here and inning there. They don't really have anything to play for at this point. Home field advantage is out of the window. It's not possible, so they're going to go with Chris Flexen here. He's not going to go particularly deep, I don't think, although maybe they just let him go. It's, it's kind of hard to predict here. I mean, he hasn't really been stretched out recently, so I, I'm, I'm really not sure what to expect, but he's never going to give you that many strikeouts. He has 93 of them in 133 innings. Last year, he had 125 of them in 179 innings. Now, can he be all right for your ratios? It's possible. I just don't really foresee him going that deep into this game where it would be that much of a benefit. I think the likeliest scenario is probably about four innings with two strikeouts and maybe an earned run or two. That's, that would be what I would expect Chris Flexen to deliver tonight. Nothing really fantastic, nothing worth writing home about. I would not be going and adding him up. I do not think it's worth it. If you're going to use one of your ads, maybe you have unlimited ads and you couldn't give a shit and you're just trying to, you know, stockpile um, counting stats, uh, by all means. At that point, sure. I think there's better options, but I wouldn't be adding him unless it's either desperation or you just don't really care anymore and you're just hoping for the best. Maybe you just your ERA has been killed, your whip has been killed, you need to try and work it back down a little bit, you got a bunch of ads, so you need to just get guys in good matchups. And it is a good matchup. Detroit's not a good offense. So if you want to use him in a deep league, maybe. I'm just I'm really not a big Chris Flexen guy. I think if you're going to stream, there are better options, specifically because we've mentioned this many times now. There's only two teams left in whatever league that you are in. There's not that many people you got to compete with for streams. You don't have to compete with 11 other people or 13 other people or however many it is. It's just you and one other person. So I think there's going to be some better options available than Chris Flexen. Uh, we will keep moving, though, and we'll talk about Adrian Sampson. He is scheduled to start tomorrow at Cincinnati. Samson has been really good. Samson has been excellent, really. 
And last time he faced, uh, last time he pitched was against that same Cincinnati team at Wrigley. He went seven innings, six, uh, six strikeouts, one run, and he got the victory. At Great American Ballpark, I'm a little iffier. I think that it's probably going to be okay. He's one of the better options just because of how hot he's been recently. But it certainly doesn't come without its risks. I think if you're adding him, you have to kind of just brace yourself that it is Great American Ballpark. It's not likely, but could he give up five, six runs just off of a couple of home runs? Yes. Uh, for the last day of season kind of stream, I like him, but I'm not in love with the guy. I think that, again, there's probably some safer options. I think that Lorenzen and Lauer today are probably the guys I'm going to be going for. I mean, Cal Quantrill, if you can still get him, he's pretty highly rostered. He's up at 74, but if you can still get him, I'd be pretty happy with it. Another guy going tomorrow who I'd be pretty happy with is Aaron Savali. Not that I'd be, you know, crazy to go and and not might be like crazy happy to go and get him. Uh, I think that he's going to be a fine option for tomorrow. And I trust him a little bit more just because of the opponent in the ballpark. They're going to be playing in Cleveland as opposed to playing, you know, um, in Cincinnati. Obviously, there's going to be a difference there. Savali is not as good as Samson, I don't think, but he can still give you some pretty good strikeouts. He's striking out about a batter per inning this season. Over the last month, which is 16 innings for him, he struck out 14 with a 3.38 ERA and a .69 whip. Now, he has an over-5 ERA for the season. There's definitely been some rough spots, but he has shown us against poor teams he can do well. He hit double-digit strikeouts in August against Detroit. Uh, his last time out was against Kansas City, six innings, five strikeouts, uh, two earned runs, or, yeah, two earned runs. Really good stuff out of Aaron Savali recently. And against those same Kansas City Royals, there's always a risk when you start a guy twice in a row against the same team. Same argument you can make for Samson, that they're a little more familiar, but you can make that argument for both sides, that the pitcher is also you know a little more familiar with the tendencies of the batters. So that one kind of cancels out a little bit there. I would prefer Savali. Honestly, I, I would be going for Savali. The next guy who is scheduled to start tomorrow, and this one might change, is Domingo Herman. He's scheduled to go against Texas. I like it. He's been pretty good over the course of the season. I mean, he struggled in the first couple starts, and then he was very good. Now, there's been some iffiness here a little bit with him, but overall, he, he's a pretty safe option, I think, against Texas. Not my favorite, and I think I'm going to send out a tweet just ranking these guys in order of my favorite to least favorite uh, going into tomorrow. Herman would be somewhere in the middle of the pack, assuming that he still starts. Not somebody that, again, I'm not going to trip over myself to go and grab him, but if he's still available, I think that there's a decent chance for a victory, despite the fact that there haven't been that many from this season, only two of them in 68 innings. But Yankees at Texas, I'm, I'm all right with Domingo Herman. The next guy we're going to talk about, and by the way, all these ads, I'm just going through the top added players here on Yahoo. You got to go a long way before you get to a position player. Like, you got to go, man, every ad here is a pitcher. I want to see actually how far I got to go. It's Albert Pujols is the top added player, and you got to go down like, 15, 17 guys to get to Pujols. Everybody is adding pitching. But again, it's only like two teams that are doing this in every league. So there's a lot of these guys who are still going to be available. And just to quickly rhyme off the roster percentages of the guys I've gone through, 24 for Lorenzen, 52 for Lauer, 21 for Flexen, 27 for Sampson, 36 for Savali, 37 for Herman. These guys are available. These guys are, in most leagues, going to be sitting on the waiver wire. I do want to talk about a couple of more options. Those are the guys that I'm mostly going to be focusing on. There are a couple other here. Uh, I'm, uh, it's hard to really say as of right now. Like Braxton Garrett, I like Braxton Garrett a lot. But against Atlanta tonight, 
it's really, really risky. 2,500 teams have taken the chance. They have added Braxton Garrett. I like him. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a very good pitcher. Against Atlanta, though, it makes me feel very iffy. Dakota Hudson is another one for me where it's like, yeah, he's starting against the Pirates, but we've seen what he, what he does. He doesn't strike out batters. His ERA and whip have been really bad this season. He's probably not going to go so deep into this game. If he can go five innings, if he can just go five innings, he's likely to get you a victory here against the Pirates. I think that he is probably most reserved for deep, deep leagues. Deep, deep leagues for, for Dakota Hudson, where you're not so worried about strikeouts. Or maybe you'd, you'd stream him in a standard-sized league if you're just hoping and praying for a win. Because I think, you know, if he goes five innings, the odds of a win are pretty good. Can he go five innings? Yeah, he can. He kind of alternates. Like, this is his last few appearances. Five, four and a third, seven, four and two-thirds, eight, three. Uh, those are his last appearances. So can he go five? Yes. Will he? It's hard to say with any degree of certainty. Now, there's a few more guys who are being added here, and they are on the most added list, but they're probably going to be kind of harder to come by. Jeffrey Springs is going to be the number one guy there. He's 73% rostered. Now, more than 2,000 teams still found a way to add him this morning, so there are still people who are you know, available like that. Even if they're over 70% in your league, they might just still be available. And maybe you're listening to, maybe you're in multiple leagues. That's kind of where, you know, where I say you might be available in your league. If you're just in one league, the odds are you kind of know what's going on. If you're in multiple leagues, very easy to lose track of that kind of thing. Jeffrey Springs, maybe he's available in one league. Maybe he's not in another league. 2,000 people found out he was available in their leagues, and they get, they get, they get a very strong start here for him against Boston. He's been fantastic. Strikeouts have been great. The ratios have been great. He's getting wins. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, if you can get him, fantastic option here. Kind of a lower down the board, maybe a little bit more of a low-key option for me here would be Jake Odorizzi. And I wouldn't be, again, rushing to go and grab him. But let's say you're in a very deep league. A lot of these guys are rostered already. He gets the Marlins here. And I don't think that it's going to be great necessarily. But in terms of the matchup, I'll take that matchup over a couple of the other ones that we've seen here. I'll take him over – well, maybe not even matchup, but, like, I would take him over Chris Flexen. I would take uh, Odorizzi over Flexen. I would take um, – I would take him over Sampson, I think. Sampson's kind of an iffy one. That one's kind of close. Maybe that's kind of like a toss-up, but that's kind of the range where I would see Odorizzi tonight. I put him in that kind of Sampson range. He has not been great recently, but we know he's not really that bad of a pitcher, Jake Odorizzi. He can go out there. If he gets in the groove, he can do very well. An Atlanta team – likely to get victories pretty much every time they go out there against Miami. It's, it's pretty damn likely that he will be getting a victory. So he's another guy that I would take a look into adding in terms of the other guys. I mean, that's mostly it. Take a brief look at tomorrow, although we already did talk about some of the guys going tomorrow. It's very, it's very tricky. There might be some of these guys that we mentioned where maybe they won't pitch like Corbin Burns. These guys aren't going to be pickups necessarily, but Corbin Burns, he's scheduled to pitch tomorrow. Maybe he just doesn't pitch last day of the season, the Brewers, and he feels like there's no need to risk something happening. Maybe he doesn't go. Maybe he does. Maybe he's adamant that he wants to pitch. I don't know one way or the other, but I don't think a lot of people do know one way or the other. Framber Valdez is pitching tomorrow. Will he still pitch tomorrow? I think he will because they've got some time off here before they will need him in, uh, in the playoffs, so probably he'll get one more start here. Shohei Otani tomorrow for the Angels against Oakland. Will he start? Well, is there any point in starting him? If it was me, if it was my team, and I had Shohei Otani, and it was tomorrow against Oakland, there is no chance in hell I'm starting him on the road against Oakland. Maybe 
maybe if it was at home and you want to give your fans one last send-off for the year, you know, don't leave them with such a sour taste in their mouth, maybe you'd start them at home. But on the road, I would be very surprised if we do see Otani get the start. Maybe he is pushed for it. Maybe he has told the Angels, no, I'm starting, and, or something like that. I don't really know the dynamic that he has there. It would surprise me, honestly, but maybe he really wants to and he will start. That's why you just got to pay attention tomorrow morning specifically. I mean, really, my best advice would be to add more than you need. <clears throat> and I know that's kind of a, a backing up of what I've said in the past. Add as many guys as you have available roster spots today in terms of pitching. This is assuming that the categories are all relatively close and there's nothing that's too blown out. If there's massive blowouts, obviously things are going to change a little bit. But let's say all your categories are fairly close. You have four ads left for the week. And you're thinking, yeah, I'll add like one pitcher or something. Add four. Add the four best available guys. If you are in that case, if you have the, the ads, then go and do it. Maybe your opponent will go and look afterwards and will not be able to stream those guys. Maybe you won't even end up starting them. But they're more valuable on your bench than they would be in your opponent's lineup for the most part. Maybe, maybe they add somebody who gets blown up, but if you add the three or four best available options, you go out there, you get Lorenzen, you get Lauer, you get, um, who would be the third guy? I guess maybe Savali, and then, I don't know, you look ahead to tomorrow and you pick up a Domingo Hermond or somebody like that. Like Just go and get all the guys who you think are going to be the best options. And don't listen to just me. Don't listen to me if you don't want to at all. Listen to a bunch of different people. Do your own research. Figure out who you think will be going, what the team beat writers are saying. And if they're going to be going, also keep an eye on pitch limits. Because we saw it yesterday, with Miles, or maybe two days ago now, with Miles Michaelis, where he just went three innings. But we knew it in advance. We knew that it was going to be an abbreviated start. So you had time to take him out of your lineup. As toxic a place as it is, just spend a lot of time on Twitter over the next 24 hours or so. Make sure if a guy is going in your lineup that they're going to be you know, actually providing something. If there's a guy going out there just to stretch the arm for an inning or two, especially starters. I mean, if you're told one of your starters is just going, you know, he'll be pitching 40 pitches tonight just to stay fresh. Get him the hell out of your lineup. Make sure you know that information. If you've paid attention the entire season, and if you're still listening to the show, six months in, 35 minutes into the podcast, odds are you're still paying attention. Just pay attention for another one more day. Make sure you're very diligent, and that's the best piece of advice that you're going to get is to just remain active. Remain focused in your league. It's one night. Just make sure... You're not distracted by football or anything. There's no football games going on, but maybe you're, you know, looking at whatever the hell it is. Probably not football, for being honest, here on a Tuesday. Maybe it's basketball prep you're doing. Maybe it's schoolwork. Maybe it's job. Maybe it's your kids. Neglect the kids for one night and focus on fantasy baseball. Neglect the wife. Neglect the husband. Whoever it is, make sure that you are glued to your phone for the next day. Really, it's going to be 24 hours from now. There'll be no more fantasy baseball until April. So if you're invested... Make sure you are uh, in for a penny, in for a pound, as the old saying goes. Make sure that you are all the way in. Guys, that's going to do it for me today. We'll do some more stuff over on Twitter tonight and tomorrow morning to gear you guys up for these last few starts. You hit me up at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB, those two counts in particular. Now, EthosFantasyBB is one I'm really trying to put some attention on right now. I think it's at about 150, 160 followers trying to grow that one up more and more as we head into next season. There will be a ton of baseball content at Sports Ethos next season. You have my promise on that. There will be tons of people producing articles, hopefully more podcasts coming out. We have a lot of exciting things in the works, not even just with baseball, basketball, football, hockey, everything else. <clears throat> we do wagering stuff. We do DFS. We have a ton of stuff going on, and that will remind me to tell you guys to go check out the website because today 
if, if I'm getting this correct, it is actually the last chance to get a discount on uh, Sports Ethos packages for this season. Now, according to Aaron Bruski, who is our founder, and according to a tweet that he sent out a couple hours ago, yep, last coupon of the draft season. It's active right now. After this, it'll just be normal rates the rest of the offseason in terms of all our basketball packages. Now, if you are going for the old school bundle on sportsethos.com, if you use the code BRUPON2, B-R-U-P-O-N-2, you get that six-month old-school bundle for the price of five months. You get the first month free. So if you don't do that today and then you decide next week, oh, shit, you know, I, I really want uh, to do some fancy basketball. I'd like to have some projections or something. You're going to pay full price for it next week. You pay full price for it tomorrow. So if it's something you were already going to do and you were just, you know, really just waiting around or, you know, just not motivated for basketball yet, this should be your motivation. You guys should go and check out sportsethos.com, hover over the premium tab, and you will find all of our packages. And like I said, get that first month free. You get all your draft prep free right now. You don't have to pay anything. And, you know, you get your teams off to a great start to the season. Brewski is the best in business. There's, there's no two ways about it. He is the best at predicting value across fantasy basketball. Eight cat and nine cat roto. It's not even a question. Go check out his projections. Go check out his top fifty or top one hundred and fifty list, which I think actually goes to like two hundred. Uh, the dude put in some serious work this year. I'm gonna try and get him on a show at some point to talk about the Brewski one hundred and fifty. We'll see if we can make that happen. But in terms of today, I will leave you there, guys. Remember to rate, review, download, subscribe, do all that fantastic stuff, and we will see you again tomorrow for a very special edition with Patrick David. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.